verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every person was coming into the world. He was in the world. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. May God bless our understanding, the reading of His Holy Word this morning. Amen. Often when I finish a book, novel, biography, some other book. I'll go back to the beginning and reread the opening pages. Anybody else do that? Beginnings are important in books. And I go back to the beginning because then I see the opening in a new light, having read through the whole book now. How the author began the book often makes more sense after I've read the entire book. So this morning we go back to the beginning of the book of the Bible called The Gospel According to John. And having gone through John's portrait of Jesus Christ for the past 11 months, all this year, we'll now look at that opening, the prologue, that introduction again. And hopefully read it with a new understanding, a new appreciation. The first 18 verses of John's Gospel are among the richest in the Bible. They are poetic. They're like a hymn. They sing. And they sing about the Word who was in the beginning, who was with God, and who was God, and who became flesh. He's called the Word because He is God speaking to us. He is God speaking to us about what God is like, what we are like, what his mind and his heart is, uh, and his deep love for us. We know that the word is Jesus Christ, God's unique and only one and only son. So for Advent and Christmas, as we end this year, we go back now to the beginning, the very beginning of John. And perhaps the most important verse in the prologue to John is verse 14, when it says that the word became flesh and lived among us, or lived for a while among us, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace 
and truth. The Word became flesh, lived for a while among us, or it can read, and dwelt among us. One translation says that the Word became flesh and took up residence. And then there's another one that says He, he made His home with us. All means the same things. About 20 years ago, Eugene Peterson, uh, now a retired Presbyterian pastor, a writer, uh, published The Message, the Bible in Contemporary Language. And The Message has become a very popular Bible for many Bible readers uh, to work from. For decades as a pastor, Eugene Peterson tried to get people to really listen to the message of the Bible. And his whole goal was to put together the language of the Bible and the language of today. Um, you know, the Bible's an old book, and it's written in very old languages. They don't even speak anymore, haven't spoken for centuries. Taking what those original writers wrote in the way that they spoke and then putting it in a way that makes sense in our modern-day English is a very difficult task. So Peterson tried to take the words of the Bible and have them make sense in a way that we talk today. The message is not a study Bible. Um, it doesn't pretend to be exact to the original Hebrew and, and Greek languages in which the Bible was written. The message is a reading Bible. Eugene Peterson tried to make the Bible as readable as possible, but bringing out the spirit and the idea behind those words in a new and fresh way so that anyone, regardless of education level, regardless of if you've ever read the Bible before, anyone can read the Bible and understand it. Now, the reason I go into all that background about the message is the way that John, chapter 1, that 14th verse, is translated, the way it reads in the message. It's become quite popular with Bible readers. It says this, that the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's a poignant picture of how God came into this world in Jesus Christ. When you move into the neighborhood, you become a part of a place. Regardless of whether you like it or not, you become a part of that area. And God moved into the neighborhood and became part of this place called Earth, this human existence. And that's our theme during Advent and Christmas. God moved into a human body. He moved into the human condition into this world, to rub shoulders with us in every way, he came to get close. And he got close. Now, we don't have the closeness, I don't think, in our neighborhoods um, that they do in some parts of the world or that they maybe used to have with our, with our gated communities now and large yards and lots and big homes and fences. Neighborhoods are a little more impersonal today. Uh, we prefer distance and privacy. But there are still places in uh, neighborhoods and in places of the world, and even in our nation, where there's real community. And if you live in a neighborhood that you know people and there's a real sense of community, then that's great. You, you know the blessings of that. And you know the dynamics of neighborhoods. When Nancy and I were first married, we lived in the inner city of Philadelphia for several years, uh, where you live in close conditions with your neighbors. neighborhood we lived in. It was settled by Irish and Italian and German uh, immigrants, and, and they were still there. But now it was becoming more of a Polish um, and Polish-American neighborhood because the Soviet Union had just broken up and people were immigrating from there. 
Many East Coast cities, if you've ever been there or lived there, are built house next to house, wall next to wall, yard next to yard. Very close conditions. There's no distance. Uh, You see your neighbors, you hear your neighbors, you get a sense for your neighborhood, whether that's for good or for bad. Teresa lived next door to us in her three-story row house with her little dog. Ran a card shop on the first floor, a Hallmark card shop, card shop. On the other side was the Koya family, mom and dad and four kids. And we could hear the conversations through our walls of that family as they shouted between the three different floors to one another. For that matter, the walls between the houses were so close, you could hear the televisions, you could hear uh, when the phones were ringing, you could probably eavesdrop if you wanted to and really listen in on what was going on. We lived on the second and the third floor of the three-story building uh, where we lived. On the first floor was a shop run by two brothers, and we got a sense about who they were from the smell of marijuana that would waft up into our apartment at night. We lived on a major avenue, so there were people all day, all night long. We ran into, we talked with our neighbors all the time. You just knew knew things about people just by observing them and seeing what they were doing and overhearing conversations. People sit out in the warm summer nights on their front porch, on their steps, on the sidewalk. You talk, you see people, there's a lot of activity. There was a bar across the street. There was a bakery a few doors down. There was the park down on the corner in front of the huge Catholic church. And when we moved into this neighborhood, we became a part of it. And we became part of the events that happened there. And we became known. Well, that's what we celebrate. So we're celebrating at Christmas that God in Christ became a human being and he moved into the neighborhood, our neighborhood. Now I mentioned the various ways that John chapter 1 verse 14 can be translated, that the word dwelt among us, he lived among us, he took up residence. Um, That's the way it reads in our English Bibles. But literally the word that is used means tabernacled or tented. And we don't use that word, we don't talk that way. But it really means... Literally what John wrote is the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. That has deep biblical overtones. When Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years after the Lord brought them out of Egypt, the Lord told Moses to build a tabernacle, um, a, 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 a tented building, if you would. It's sometimes called the tent of meeting in the Old Testament. And uh, obviously it was portable because Israel was on the move. And whenever they were told to move by the Lord, they took it down and they packed it up and they went. Whenever they were told to stop somewhere, they took it back out and they set it back up. And there was the tent of meeting. There was the tabernacle. That tabernacle was where Moses would go to meet with the Lord. It was where he would go to pray for the people. It was where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, which held the Ten Commandments. The presence of the Lord dwelt in that tabernacle the end of the book of Exodus, last thing we read is that the glory of the Lord came and it filled the tabernacle. So this large tent, if you would, was the place where the Lord touched down 
in the middle of the people of Israel. It was how he was with them. It was where he was with them. It was holy. It was sacred. It was divine. So when John writes that the word became flesh and he tabernacled among us, he is drawing a direct line to the tabernacle in Israel. And just as the Lord's presence and his glory was in the middle of wherever Israel camped, so the presence, the glory of God, that same presence and glory was in human form and set up shop on earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And it is why John goes on to say the very next thing, and we have seen his glory. He's making a direct parallel to the glory of the tent of meeting, the tabernacle for Israel. Jesus came and he camped out. He set up his tent on this earth. You know, the thought of God moving into the neighborhood was, well, it was beyond the mental confines of people in the first century. Most of the people who were first reading John's gospel believed that there are two very different and separate worlds. There's the world up there, a perfect world. The heavens, where God dwelt. Um, a world that was ideal, it was spiritual. And then there was this world, the material world, kind of messed up, some ugly stuff, some nice stuff. But this is where the rest of us live, that world and this world. Now, God created this world by speaking it into existence, by his word. God said, let there be, and there was. God said, let there be, and there was, Genesis chapter 1. We hear that pattern again and again. But God wouldn't come into this world. God was in another place. He was distant from this world. Uh, at best, he had an indirect presence, but certainly nothing direct. He was separate from his creation. The philosophy was God can't be involved here. If he did, he'd be corrupted because this is a corrupt world, and he'd no longer be God. God is infinite, we're finite. And the chasm between the higher world and the lower world was huge, so no one imagined it differently. But having seen, but having heard, touched, listened to Jesus, John put something else there, presented a challenge to that thinking, and he said that the word who existed before the creation of the world, the very word, word who brought this world into existence, who spoke it into existence, the very power that made the universe, who's given life to all things, that word has come into this world as a human being. The infinite has invaded the finite. The perfect had come into contact with the imperfect. The spiritual and the material connected, and that connection was in the person of Jesus. God moved into the neighborhood. God set up his tent among us. God camped with us. Now, I know that camping today is becoming, oh, my gosh, it's not even camping anymore. We have our campers and our motor homes and put out our satellite dishes. There's just a few of us that still camp by tent, the purists. But however it is, you know whenever you camp, however you do it, now you're in close quarters. And you're sharing space and you're sharing air and often other resources uh, with this kind of makeshift community that's come together. Things are close. You can't hide. Well, God came close in Jesus. 
And he came to be known. He didn't come in a spaceship from outside of time and space and just kind of plop down here. He came like we all do, through the womb of a woman. He didn't live in a separate castle or tower, separate from everybody else in Palestine. He actually lived a very ordinary life as a carpenter with ordinary people, even in poverty. He didn't come as a religious figure. He wasn't a priest. As a matter of fact, he didn't have any formal function in the temple or within Judaism. And his most sharp words, in fact, and his criticisms were reserved for religious people. He didn't just keep company with certain types of people. He didn't favor, you know, the well-educated or the wealthy or the influential. I mean, he called to follow him as his disciples, fishermen and uh, political hotheads and people who were kind of on the fringes of the society. He would engage in conversation with a woman from another culture who was fetching water at a well. He would go to weddings and dinner parties. He would go out on boats and he would eat food and he practiced his faith and he traveled around. And this was God among us. This was God among us. And the big theological word that we use to describe this is the incarnation. Incarnation. It comes from a Latin word. Uh, Carn means flesh. In basically means in. It means incarnate. God came in flesh, in a body. He was incarnate in a person. Christmas is the celebration of the incarnation. God has come to us, revealing himself to us, speaking to us about who he is, about how we can know him. He came in as the word who was in the beginning, who was with God and who was God, and he came to us. And he looked like us. He was one of us. But you know, it isn't always smooth for someone who moves into a new neighborhood. Sometimes they're not welcome. We've had a house across the street from us for sale for a little while now. I don't think it hasn't sold because of us. At least I don't think so. It's a nice house. You ought to come look at it. But recently, a uh, family that happened to be Vietnamese came uh, with a realtor to look at the house. Apparently, they were very serious about it. And they went next door to meet uh, one of the neighbors, an older woman who had li- who's lived on the block for many, many, many years. When she answered the door, they said that they were interested in buying this house. I wanted to talk to somebody about the neighborhood, what it was like. And apparently, when they did that, the woman made a racial remark and promptly slammed the door in their face. Well, needless to say, that family hasn't been seen since. And there's still a for sale sign outside that house. It says that the word was in the world, and though this very world was made through him, though he was the creator, the world didn't recognize him. The word came to that which was his very own, his very own people, his very own race, his very own religion, flesh and blood. They didn't receive him. Jesus came into this world, moved into the neighborhood, and got the door slammed in his face. 
And that's part of the irony of the gospel story. In fact, it isn't, he's not in the world very long before King Herod is trying to track him down and kill him. Of course, eventually they do catch up with him. One of his very own followers turns him in and they kill him. God moved into the world. We didn't recognize him. God was in our face and we turned our back on him. Not everyone sang joy to the world. The Lord has come when he came. Some still don't. What does that say about human beings? Later in John 3, we read this. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, but human beings loved the darkness instead of the light because the way they lived was foul. But you know, God doesn't stop coming. He doesn't stop coming. Though the world condemned him, you know what? He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it in love and in grace. And when God moved into the neighborhood, the message was, I want to be with you. The message was, I created you. I know your need. I see your longing. I see the situation of the earth. And I love you enough to show grace and compassion even though you reject me and even though there's rebellion. But I come with mercy, forgiveness, and to give my very life. When God put on flesh and lived on this earth for about 33 years of human history, it said, God is okay with us. He's okay with us. He's not ashamed to be like us. He felt the burdens of the same life we feel. He lost a friend one time who died, and he cried. He knew the joys of celebration and of sharing food with people and having friends. He knew what it was like to live under a government, an empire he didn't particularly like. He knew struggles. He knew successes. He knew loneliness. He knew fulfillment. He knew what it was to struggle with temptation. He knew that. God put on human flesh and blood, moved into the human neighborhood because he wanted to, and you know what? He still wants to be with us. And it doesn't make him any less God because he's here. In fact, it gives us the right to become children of God. It gives us the gift to become born of God, which is why we were created and which was our destiny to begin with. It's kind of a renewal, kind of a restoration project that he came for. It's Advent. Soon it will be Christmas. God moved into the neighborhood. Let's welcome him into our world, into our church, into our lives. I want to end this message with some silent reflections. Would you just close your eyes and focus your heart on God and just get these words into your heart and and, and hold them there. That the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Hold those words in in your heart and just say them to yourself. Maybe two or three times silently. That the word became flesh and blood 
and move into the neighborhood. Father, open our eyes to see all that you reveal in Jesus Christ. We don't want to miss a single instance of your grace nor overlook one item of truth. We want to see it all. Your glory in Jesus. Amen.